Hi, my name is Ramila, and this is Secret Life of Sibs. Millions of people across the world have special needs that affect their daily lives. We often hear about their parents' experiences, but we rarely hear about the people that grew alongside them, the siblings that are fundamentally changed by this experience. I'm one of those siblings, and I hope to share the stories of many more. Our guest today is Lakshmi Roy, a college student studying at McGill University. Hi, Lakshmi. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so just to start off as usual, tell us about you, your sibling, and anything else you want to start off with. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm 21. I'm in university right now studying computer engineering. Uh, My brother is 24, 25. You lose track of the age after a while. Um, And he's um, currently doing kind of like uh, a stage, I would say, um, provided by his uh, special needs school. So he's like working part time. Is his diagnosis autism or... Yeah, he has autism, and he was diagnosed when he was like three or four, when I was not born, so yeah. So it sounds like since you're the younger sibling, all you've ever known is having your older brother. How did you feel like the younger sibling, or did it sometimes feel like you were more of the older sibling? Oh, definitely felt like the older sibling all my life. Um, Literally since I was like, maybe maybe since I was aware that he had autism, and um, he wasn't like you know all the other kids I remember like being eight or ten and you know going to the temple with my family and he didn't really have you know many friends at the time so he would sit with me and my friends and I felt a little awkward about that so I wouldn't have very many friends uh, of my own because I didn't want that kind of like oh my older brother is tagging along with us kind of thing so I refrained from even having that situation um so yeah even from a young age I kind of knew I was taking on a role of older sibling. Were your responsibilities mostly like self-inflicted? Did your parents kind of expect that from you? I don't think my parents expected it from me per se, but um, definitely like growing up in a Bengali or South Asian household, like family is a really emphasized um, aspect of our culture. And um, my parents kind of expected like this unconditional love at all times from my brother. Um, even when, you know, things were a little difficult, they kind of expected, you know, they kind of, you know, always said that, um, you know, he's your brother, can't help it kind of thing. So, um, that kind of made me feel like I was responsible for, you know, always being, um, like a support or a friend for him since he didn't have many growing up. So, although they didn't explicitly say like, you need to take care of your brother. Like I kind of felt that just because of our culture. Yeah. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you speak a little bit more about the experience that it is being a second generation uh, immigrant combined with uh, also being a sibling to someone with special needs? I think that's kind of a juncture that's not really talked about a lot. And it's something that I personally experienced. So. Yeah, that's an important question. <laughs> Definitely makes things a hundred times harder, especially because of the stigma of having someone with special needs in your family. Um, in a South Asian household, it's not really talked about very much. And um, one of the hardest things for me was that, like, I knew that it was 
taboo and I'm not supposed to talk about it too much. Um, like even now it feels like taboo even doing this podcast. Um, because I don't know, like, I feel like in South Asian families, there's this kind of like unspoken about competition and you always have to portray like the most perfect family. Um, and we definitely weren't that with my brother. Um, so I didn't really have like anyone to like, even my own cousins, I didn't really feel like I was comfortable talking about it with them. And they, I'm, I'm sure they kind of thought that, you know, like I have a brother with autism, like whatever, you know, it's totally fine. Like, it's just like any other sibling, but it, it really wasn't. There was a lot of um, like difficulty at home that, um, that they didn't even know about, even though they were like almost siblings to me, they didn't really see that side of our family. Um, so I didn't really have anyone to talk to in our community. Um, I couldn't definitely couldn't talk to my parents about it um, because I already felt like they were stressed out and again, like this unconditional love that I'm supposed to have for my brother. Um, so yeah, no, uh, that was probably the hardest part about being a second generation immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. I think that isolation is very real. I see that with my own family. Like we, for years, you know, avoided any large social gatherings. So any of the bujos or anything like that at the temple where there'd be like hundreds of other Bengali families, um, just because with my brother, it was always unpredictable. Like we didn't know when he'd have a meltdown or anything like that and just did not want to go through that in public. And even with our family friends, like, or like with my cousins, like you said, like, I don't really, I never talked about what it's like, um, even though it's not easy, like you said, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I totally relate to what you just said about avoiding the pujas and avoiding like big gatherings, especially as he got older, because when like a, you know, I feel like in gen in general, like people think, you know, like kids with autism are so cute and adorable and like, oh my God, they have the biggest hearts. You know, we yeah. hear that a lot as like siblings with autism, hearing from like an outsider's perspective on autism. Like, um, but as they get older, people start fearing them almost. Like I've he heard like horrible things said about, you know, like people with autism, like, um, like, you know, they're going to attack you. They're going to whatever. I don't know. Like, um, so when he was younger, you, we could like pass him, I would say as quote unquote, like a normal kid. Um, when we went to gatherings, because like, let's say he has little outbursts, whatever you can say, like, oh, he's just a kid. Um, you know, they all do that kind of thing. But you know, as you get older, it's harder and harder to hide. And, you know, sometimes he's, he's regressing quite a bit over the months, and then we really can't bring him out at all. So we definitely avoid uh, social gatherings then. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> just back to the thing about outsiders' perspective on people with autism. Like I had a, I have a friend of a friend who works in um, a special needs school, I believe. Um, and he kind of like, in our group setting, he kind of like told us about that. Um, and it sounded so positive to me. Like uh, everyone was like, wow, you're a great person. Like you're, that's so cute. You're working with like children with special needs. Um, and, you know, being a sibling with someone with autism and going through it at home, like it's, it's not all rainbows and sunshines and, oh, they have so much love for you. It's, it's hard. <laughs> and um, I don't feel like outside people really get how hard it can be because it's portrayed so like beautifully in the outside world most of the time especially for younger people with autism yeah. um 
and I don't know, like a part of me is like so happy about that. Like, oh, they think um, so highly of people with autism. But at the same time, I'm like, no one gets me when I bring up like, oh, I have a sibling with autism. It's like, it's one or the other. It's either, oh my God, that's so cute. Or I'm so sorry for you. And there's like no in between, like, let's discuss this. And, you know, don't feel bad for me, but also um, understand that I'm coming from a hard place kind of thing like it's either pity or like oh my god that must be so cute and fun and exciting like mm. yeah (laughs) not exactly yeah no I get that and I think that's not a good thing necessarily that people portray uh people with special needs so one-dimensionally because like they're people like my brother 100% has his adorable moments like (laughs) um he can be really really sweet and then there are times when he's not. <laughs> he's the complete opposite. And he can, you know, he's cranky and angry and frustrated. Like, you know, there are two sides to all of these individuals. And it's harmful for them, too, to always have that expectation from society that's like, oh, well, like, shouldn't you be adorable all the time <laughs> if you have <laughs> special needs? Right. Um, so... Yeah, that's definitely an important point that quote unquote outsiders often, you know, that's kind of how they see families like ours. Only the people really in the family knows otherwise. For sure. Yeah. Um, But also, you know, going back to the very start of this conversation, when we when you were talking about kind of feeling like the older sibling, a lot of times the older sibling also has the responsibility to kind of be the perfect child to to kind of uh pave the way for younger siblings um did you feel that pressure um whether that's in academics or you know whatever oh yes amen (laughs) um uh I wouldn't say so much um pave the way for them more like I had to make up for what he could probably like never be um all my life, I wanted to be an English professor, but in oh. South Asian culture, that wasn't kind of um like a highly looked upon career choice. Um, and my mom always had a vision of me being an engineer. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll throw away my dreams to become oh. an engineer um, for my family. Because um, again, going back to this like competitive mindset that South Asian families have, but never really speak about like, felt like, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I would hear my mom's friends ask her like, oh, what's uh, Lakshmi doing or what's uh, um, your son doing right now? And, you know, obviously she had nothing to say for her son. So um, I felt like I had to compensate for that and, you know, say something worth mentioning for her. Um, and I and I noticed growing up, like my mom and dad took very opposite um, positions on that. For example, like if my dad was asked, what are, what is your son doing? He would say like straight up, like, oh, my son has autism. So he's not doing much, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask my mom that, she would kind of find a way to twist it to make him sound a little better, I would say. Or maybe she was the more realistic one. Like he is doing whatever he can with his autism. But um mm-hmm. I felt like my dad kind of hated that conversation and wanted to get it out of the way as soon as possible while my mom was um, more comfortable talking about it um, without mentioning his autism. So she was avoiding the autism part, but 
trying to say whatever he is doing. And my dad was avoiding saying what he's doing, but saying explicitly like he does have autism. Uh-huh. And like as a as gr- like growing up in that same community, I was like, what do what's my stance on it? I don't know how to respond to people when they ask me that because you know, like I know the same person is going to go to my dad and ask the same question and ask my mom the same question eventually. So like, I don't want to be <laughs> like saying the wrong thing here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, anyways, going back to me, um, definitely felt um, that academic stress. I felt like, I feel like even now, like since I was maybe eight years old to now, like I have lived my entire life for my parents. Like, I don't know, I can't name like a single thing that I've done for myself and solely myself like legitimately um and I feel like it's taken a a real toll on my mental health honestly um it is stressful because when you're like living for other people like when I don't know like let's say uh things are going bad at home with my brother or something like that it's like what am I doing this for um whether I'm succeeding or not like he's always going to be like this and he's always going to be causing that stress. And it feels kind of like, is it ever going to be enough? You know, like um, sometimes I'll, I'll want to go tell my dad like, Oh, I did this in school or I did this for my club and I'm so proud of it. But um, it's always followed by like, you're doing so great. I wish like uh, my brother was doing good too. And it's like, why does it have to be about him every time? Like, um, this yeah. this last year has been incredibly hard for me, especially um, with like my brothers have been regressing quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I, I, I try to reach out to my parents as much as possible. And I like I try to spend whatever time I mentally can with them. Um, so like, let's say I'm going for a car ride with my mom uh, to the mall or something like the first thing she starts talking about is my brother. And I'm like, just, you know, like, can it be about me? for once and I felt a lot of neglect growing up um Mm -hmm. like something small that maybe shouldn't have mattered but it kind of matters to me now like looking back um we were going through photo albums one day me and my mom and uh I'm asking her like where are all the pictures of me um there's like books and books of my brother but there's no pictures of me and I'm asking why and she says um we didn't really have time to take pictures of you because we were always too busy taking care of your brother. Um, And, you know, that hurts. Like I, I didn't know that, you know, the neglect really went back to me being like a toddler. Um, And she would always tell me growing up also that um, I was this like angel child and um, she could like leave me in the corner of the couch um, all day and um, like, you know, not tend to me at all. And I would be fine. I would just kind of sit there and like wait for her to get back or something. Uh, again, like really hurtful hearing that back. Like I know yeah. she's trying to praise me for being this perfect child, but you know I feel like that carried on. Like even now, I have to be this perfect, like non-stressful child. And when I have anything to talk about, it doesn't have space. It doesn't hold space. Um, and that's that's tough. <laughs> I think all of what you said is tough. I mean, the neglects especially being that younger child and having your parents already having had your brother and dealing with his diagnosis, but then like throughout your life, not giving you the space to be the person that you want to be. And instead you having to be the person that they wish your brother could have been. It's a lot to deal with. Um, And it's a really large shadow to live under. 
And I know that in a lot of South Asian families, uh, getting any mental health support is also a taboo um, and is very, very stigmatized. And I'm just wondering if you had if you had any resources, anybody that you talked to about this stuff, because clearly, you know, you said you couldn't talk to your parents about it. Yeah, I feel like uh, going back to what I said in the beginning, like I try to avoid having that many friends all my life because I, one, I felt like bad going out um, when my brother couldn't. Um, and honestly, I've never been really good at friendship relationships. Yeah, so I I feel like I tried to rely on friends but I also didn't want to bombard them with like my problems everyone is going through their own thing um so I avoided that um I feel like when I was younger I honestly had a lot more resources that I didn't take advantage of and I regret that for example like um at every school you know I'm sure there's a high school counselor guidance counselor whatever um etc that you can talk to and I I don't know why I just never took advantage of that or went to go talk to them I think in the back of my head, I was always like, they're getting paid to talk to me. They don't really care about what's going on. And that kind of threw my my whole idea of like going to a therapist or guidance counselor off for me. And I didn't want to take advantage of that. But I I definitely regret it because um, as you get older, finding resources that are um, not breaking your bank are a lot more difficult. So Mm -hmm. If anyone is listening out there and if you are in high school or have a guidance counselor near you or a free service please take advantage of it um <laughs> but like I said last year <laughs> last year was especially difficult for me and it was kind of like my breaking point like I need to go see someone um so I did like find some free services in my city which I'm very grateful for but uh it's it's difficult because it's hard to find someone that gets it um so I had a therapist and he was um he was Asian um but he was older and his philosophy was like you know you need to be selfish and you need to get out of the situation as much as possible to protect your own mental health but I wasn't comfortable with that because I grew up South Asian and family is everything and I felt like I couldn't just like leave my parents to suffer through this alone Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't take his advice and that's kind of what he kept like trying to put into my head, like every session. So eventually I decided to stop going to him. Um, however, I am currently in like this group therapy thing, which has been really nice, um, because they don't have any like advice to give you. And I know that sounds bad, but in a way it's really nice because you get to just talk about what you want to talk about and no one's going to try to find a solution for you they just get it um even if they don't get it and they're not coming from the same space which they're totally not I'm like with three other like older white women (laughs) um so um like they don't get it necessarily but you know they listen and they accept it and it's a lot nicer than people providing unsolicited advice I yeah I've also I've never been to therapy (laughs) part of the reason is because how many people are going to get it, you know? Like, it's one thing to find a therapist who specifically caters to families of uh, individuals with special needs, but it's also another thing to find someone who's South Asian as well. Um, That intersection is super rare, I feel like, um, especially in the mental health fields. So definitely a challenge. Yeah, I agree. 
my the first like time I looked out for mental health support was from my university's uh mental support sector I guess um and uh I was matched with like a therapist but again she was like an an older white woman she did not get where I was coming from at all it was probably the most like miserable gaslighting situation of my life <laughs> and she didn't mean to but she just didn't she just did not get being like from south asian culture for example she kept asking me like oh have you talked to your parents about this i'm like that is not how it works around <laughs> here like um that's not a possibility um she's like have you tried moving out i'm like my mom will literally cry <laughs> like <laughs> um like uh yeah and she and then she recommended like going on a walk and writing and journaling I'm like that's not what I need right now like come on um it's like she was saying all these like generic things I'm like I could have watched a YouTube video on this and it would have provided better advice um and again she didn't mean to I'm sure she was trying her best it's just like when there's like a difference in culture when you haven't like been through anything similar in your life at all um that's when it's kind of hard um to yeah. therapize i guess <laughs> like yeah yeah another amazing resource that i kind of met from Mila on i guess is the um siblings of autism facebook group that i found um again at the beginning of the year when i was kind of going through it i was like i really need some free resources i did some facebook searches and i found this um group and it was it was honestly like one of the biggest um helpful resources at the time I guess because um again you can just vent you can ask for advice you can just read through other people's situations and realize you're not alone in all of this there's like hundreds and hundreds of people across the world that are going through the same thing as you um if not the same thing then similar things um and uh that's that's all you can ask for honestly when you're going through something like this no one's gonna uh, wave a magic wand and fix your situation so um the most you can get is you know someone who gets it and that's really nice um actually on the Facebook group I hosted like um like a group therapy kind of session um I wanted to do it more frequently but uh I don't know like school got ahead of me and life got ahead of me and it's hard and I felt kind of guilty about that, um, that I couldn't be there for like people that signed up for it. But um, we did do one session and it was really nice. Um, it was just like five of us and we kind of just talked about everything that we're going through. Um, and everyone was from like a different background. They were coming from like across the world. A lot of people from the States. I'm Canadian. So I was like, whoa, hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they were just... Um, of different ages like someone was like 16 or something and someone else was like 45 it was pretty cool to hear um how different ages like go through things especially you know like I know that I'm gonna be dealing with this for the rest of my life so it's nice to see like an older perspective and it's nice to kind of provide like mentorship for um who's younger that's dealing with it um so yeah definitely siblings of autism Facebook group if you guys aren't on it listeners you should get on it (laughs) Yes. And this podcast has been very helpful. <laughs> um yeah, that's something like you said, like no one can wave a magic wand and get rid of 
the situation that you're in, which sucks. But the next best thing is finding other people that's in the same situation. Because there's just something like I don't post very often on those Facebook groups, but I will scroll through the posts and it'll be so, so helpful just seeing other people like oh my gosh I'm not the only one like my family's not the only one dealing with this and it's so nice because I think especially in South Asian households it's super isolating because it's not like you're talking to a lot of other people in this situation so the Facebook group has been so invaluable but and also I think it was really cool that you hosted that um that kind of like group therapy type thing and you mentioned that older perspective. I That's something that I kind of wanted to touch on with you was, um, you know, as you get older, as an older adult, what are your concerns about what your role might look like as a sibling? Um, that's a, such a touchy and scary subject. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely a little fearful um, because I don't know, like, I I don't know how... I don't know how, hold on, let me think about this one. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm a little fearful because I don't know um, how much my brother can survive on his own. I mean, he is, um, in his actions, like, pretty high-functioning, maybe, I would say. Um, I don't know what to compare it to, but, um, so, he can survive that way, um, but I don't know um, like mentally, emotionally, if he's ready to be on his own, like, I don't know how he would like deal with a landlord, for example, deal with money and finances, stuff like that. Um, and I feel like I may have to live with him for the rest of my life. And I'm honestly not really ready to give up that kind of, um, like future experience to deal with that. Like, um, something you know, something about, um, like, having to think about a sibling with autism in the future is it affects, like, your relationships, too, and I feel like I've had to talk about it with, like, all my boyfriends, um, and it's a hard topic because some get it and some really don't, and they're not comfortable with it, and maybe they won't say it out loud, especially at this age, like, maybe as you get older, uh, when you're, like, 26 and 27 and ready to settle down, for example, they're, like, okay, you know, I'm gonna be honest, like, I'm not comfortable with it, but, um, I'm still young, um, and I feel like sometimes things are, like, uh, sugar-coated for me, um, and, uh, they don't, it doesn't really, when you're young, it doesn't, like, really, um, enter your mind, like, oh, you have, like, some serious shit to think about, um, in the future, um, it's kind of like, I like you, okay, let's do this, blah, 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 um, so, I don't know. I think I myself kind of like push that thought in the back of my head about like what it's going to look like in the future because I want to enjoy my time now as much as possible because if it's coming in the future, it's coming in the future. And should I prepare for it right now? Maybe, but I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to get in the back of my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that it's definitely, yeah, I'm sorry for asking it almost because I also like hate thinking about it. It's super scary. I No, it's totally okay. I mean, it's a it's an important question and um I feel like that's one of the biggest things that I saw in the Facebook group chat. Um not group chat, the group uh that they were always asking like, "Oh, I'm getting older. What should I do? Um what are my services and like what's offered to me?" And honestly, there's not much. Um people 
I feel like people kind of think that there's a lot offered from, um, I don't know, like, like the government and um, mental health services, but there's really not, especially for um, people with special needs. So you are kind of on your own. Like I remember, again, when I was going through some hard stuff this year, I was calling like um, different um, special needs services. And I was asking, like, what are my options? Can we get him like, uh, a group home? Can he like live on his own kind of thing? Can you guys assist with that? And they're like, um, look, things like this take up to five years, um, et cetera, et cetera. And um, like they're, they're saying that they're very like um, over overbooked um, for these kind of things like group homes and um, like living assisted living services. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to wait like five years to get some help for you know and that's a minimum they said five years minimum which is kind of scary um you shouldn't have to wait that long especially if potentially you are in a dangerous situation with your sibling with special needs yeah um that's it's kind of an excessive time to wait I would say and yeah um yeah the wait lists are scary like I don't even want to know how many years it is for the wait lists um to get into one of the residential uh, facilities. Um, moving on from the scary stuff, um, I wanted to ask you uh, two of the questions that I ask everyone on the podcast. Um, the first of which is, what's one thing that you wish people knew about life as a sibling to a special needs person? Um, I wish they knew how difficult it can be and how, um, like you said, isolating it can be and lonely. Um, I feel like I was always when I was growing up with like different friends, uh, and, you know, while they come and go and I lose them, I feel like I was always kind of um, hinting how lonely I was. And I feel like nobody kind of understood that, like, especially in high school, I, I was I was kind of going through like these depressive episodes, like I'm so lonely, etc. And I felt kind of I was just telling myself mentally like oh everyone is going through this you know this is just like a hormonal stage in my life and I'm just a teenager and everyone's kind of you know quote-unquote like depressed and you know it's like the cool thing to be right now (laughs) Um, and um and then uh you know I'm growing up and I'm realizing like this shit is not going away like I don't think this is a phase anymore like um I'm I'm going through some like mental health stuff and you know I'm working on that um but I feel like other people kind of kept thinking that this was just a phase for me mm-hmm. um but no it's 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 hard and it's isolating and um I feel like I kind of self-destruct and um like purposely somehow ruin my relation relationships because I'm so used to feeling alone I'm like you know, like even having these friends isn't helping me at this point. I feel like I'm giving too much effort um, to just feel alone around everyone. I don't know how to explain it, but that's how it feels. Um, so I, I, I wish everyone would just be a little, you know, like more aware, I guess, and kinder to people with siblings, um, especially siblings. And, um, you know, again, speaking of just being lo- like feeling lonely, like I, people always think like I have a brother so it's it's just like a sibling relationship etc but I'm honestly I'm I'm an only child basically without the benefits of an only child 
you know, like, um, you know, a regular only child gets like all their attention from their parents. And, you know, they're like showered with love. I got none of that. And I have a sibling. So and I have no one to talk to at home because he's not like a sibling I can communicate with. So Mm -hmm. I'm an only child without the benefit. Um, And that itself is a very lonely situation to be in. Um, So I just wish everyone would, you know, be more aware of that and, you know, check in on your friends um, and, you know, don't expect them to be 100% all the time because they're probably going through some shit that (laughs) they're not ready to talk about. Yes, that is an important PSA. I think it's also a recurring theme with a lot of the other people I've talked to, um, like through this podcast. It's lonely. (laughs) It, it, It just is. So like you just even like hosting this podcast and like talking to other people is helpful for me personally, because I love hearing about other people and knowing that like there are other people out there. Um, and hopefully our listeners are, <laughs> um, you know, getting right. the same thing from this. But um, OK, and then the last question I wanted to ask you is what's one piece of advice that you'd give to someone else who's growing up in a family like yours? Um, I would say even though I kind of um, left my ther- my second therapist over this, I would say do be a little selfish at times if you can, um, because it is good for your mental health. Um I know, especially growing up like South Asian families, everything, and you don't want to abandon them. But um, the way I kind of looked at it is, uh, for example, like one thing that I've done this year is I've tried to not be at home (laughs) as much as possible. Um, And that's because I don't want to, you know, like if my brother's having a meltdown, I don't want to see it. I'm going to be thinking about it all day at school. I'm not going to be focusing on my classes. It makes things extremely hard. And, you know, the whole thing about going to classes and you know doing well in school is for my family anyway so it's kind of like a a negative um feedback circle um but uh so one thing I've been doing is stepping away from the situation and to help myself feel like not as guilty and selfish about that um I keep telling myself like whether I'm there or not it's going to be happening so if I'm there um then that's just one extra person that's gonna be in a bad mood that day or like um, be affected by that. Um, you know, just because I'm there doesn't remove my parents for this, from the situation, for example. They're still going to be there. They're still going to experience it. So, you know, um, I'm going to step away from the situation and, you know, they will take care of it because they're parents and they probably have more experience with this than I do. They were probably dealing with this before I was born. Um, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go do well in school and I'm going to give them something to be happy about. Um, and, you know, it's selfish, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm, it doesn't help for one extra person to be behind in life or whatever. Um, you know, they, they should understand that as parents, they've done a good job and, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to show for it. Um, is that, yeah. <laughs> is that bad of me to say? I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's completely valid. No, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, it's I've never actually thought about it that way. Um, the idea that like whether or not I'm there, like my brother's gonna if he's having a meltdown, like it's just one extra person that's going to be in a bad mood, right? That's that's such a cool way of thinking about it. I had never framed it that way, but <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think those were all the other questions I had for you. Um, but thank you so much for sharing um, about your specific situation and your family. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you for creating this podcast. It's been really helpful to me and I'm sure other people. So yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to peek into the secret life of Sibs with me and our guest Lakshmi. If you're a sibling, we hope you know that you're not alone. And if you're not a sibling, we hope you got to learn about a new perspective. Go ahead and follow to turn on notifications for upcoming episodes and look to the description box for a list of resources specifically for siblings. Welcome to The Secret Life and see you next time.